off the ball. If it was me, you'd absolutely love to be 17 up as opposed to being 17 points down. There's no upside to being 17 nil down at that stage, you know. It's a shocking start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Well, Stephen, good to talk to you. Uh, a tough week, I'd think it's fair to say. Yeah, difficult week, obviously. Uh, what happened down on Turner's Cross after the game, so... It was a difficult week for for uh, myself and my family and obviously young Josh. So um, yeah, time's a great healer and, and helps you see uh, clearly. And uh, thankfully now we're, we're doing better. I think everybody, not just in football, I think anybody who heard what happened is just utterly repulsed and probably in some disbelief because I don't think anyone who knows right and wrong would ever imagine that people would say such a thing. And even just talking to your player, Sean Cavan, as he was saying, he's a kid, he's the same age. The admiration that actually somehow you managed to keep it together on the evening and you know, he spoke, I think, very passionately after the game, but I'm sure every, uh, every inch of you wanted to hop over whatever fence was between you and them guys. Yeah, it did. It makes you very angry and hurt, obviously. I think as a parent, and I'm not different than any parent in the country, your, your primal instinct is to protect your kids at all costs. And, and when, you, when you hear a sick kid getting attacked like that verbally, it's it's uh, disgusting. And yeah, look, I, I think if there hadn't been a fence between us, anything could have happened quite possibly. So um, yeah, a lot of anger at the time, um, a lot of hurt. Um, but look, I can't change and our effect what what uh, uneducated people like them want to say, like you know. Uh, Cork said he came out very quickly and you know, unequivocally condemned what had happened. Uh, what are your thoughts on the response from from Cork, from from the FAI, from the authorities over the last week? Uh, Cork as a whole, as a city, have been fantastic. Um, uh, so many of the fans have have emailed the club, written letters to myself and or text uh, me privately um, and they've been brilliant uh, as the country as a whole has been um, we've had politicians on we've had people up and down the country from fans of every club uh, contact me so a massive thank you to them uh, we know that this the game in this country is is followed by brilliant people um, and, and I know there's a small minority that you just can't change and won't change and, and that's unfortunate um, but the response from everyone the Gardaí uh, the FEI everyone involved has been has been brilliant. You're obviously a, a very public figure and this is played out on the papers. And I'd imagine when you finish that long journey back from Cork and you walk through the front door, like that's that's not an easy place for you to be as a father, trying to explain something that's sort of unexplainable to your family. Yeah, that's that was the worst part, um, to be honest. I, I, I was obviously hurt at the time and, and made me angry, but uh, I was more thinking of... Uh, my family and, and especially young Josh um, how he explained that to him and, and, and try and make sense of of a few men grown men um, um, speaking like that about a sick kid you know so that was the difficult bit um, and thinking about that all the way home and like you said when you walk into the house that night um, it was uh, that was the hard bit for me understanding that your, your duty as a parent is trying to protect him and and at that moment in time, I couldn't protect him, and, and um, then you're trying to protect him after the after, aftermath of hearing that on, on the radio and on social media, and just his friends talking, and, and that's difficult. But um, thankfully, I've got a very clever, strong boy who who, uh, who who takes a lot of things in his stride. That's really good to hear because, like, 
you've gone through and your family have gone through so many things that, that no family should have to go through and that no family can ever really prepare for and you know mentally prepare for and for something like this like I don't think I can't think of any other example of something like this happening in in Irish culture and you know we've seen tragedy chanting and things like that over in in English football for many years uh, that decision of do you tell him do you not the way the world right now is he probably finds out anyways and explain that listen football is behind you people are behind you you know stay strong yeah I think that's the key that, that there's so many good people that support uh, sport and just in general up and down the country and and like I said, when you get the emails and the letters and the texts, I think uh, that's quite reassuring. And you can and you can show him that and 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 tell him that uh, the vast vast majority of people are good people. Um, and you'll always get these tugs and and um, that will feel they have a right to speak like that, which is incredible. But they obviously do. Um, but I think as as a whole, as a as a sport um, and a society, I think. Uh, I think we all accept that, that uh, speaking like that about anyone, but especially a sick kid, is, is unacceptable. And, and uh, thankfully, the response has been very strong from, from everyone involved. And are you comfortable that, that this was a one-off, that these were a couple of idiots? You know, I think everyone has such admiration for the way you've gone about your job, your, your day job, and been at every game, been on the sideline. Like, for you personally, is there any part of you that, that dreads going to the next game, dread going, dreads going to the next away match? No, because this this uh, country is is uh, supported um, by by passionate football people. Um, they're passionate about their club. Uh, they want their club to win and beat us, obviously, and that's that's brilliant. That's what sports about. Um, but they've never crossed the line ever. I've never heard it in this country. And uh, Friday was the first time. Uh, it doesn't make you think about what I'm doing and and make you think is a worth doing it um, because. Uh, a young kid shouldn't be brought into it like this um, yeah it does make you think that um, but I'm lucky that I have brilliant people around me and strong people and um, you can't let people like them uh, feel they can win and feel that they have won so um, no look I, I look forward to the next game and like I said the, the, the amount of fans from other clubs all around the country that have reached out in support has been incredible so thank you to talk about the football seems somewhat small in comparison, but there's a lot going on on that side of things as well. It's been a, a difficult enough couple of weeks, back-to-back defeats, uh, no shortage of controversy on the pitch on Friday night. Just on that, on the on the three red cards and the, the conversation that's been going on ever since about refereeing, and not just around uh, the Shamrock Rovers-Cork City game, but a lot of incidents. It, it does sound as though there's been a, a complete breakdown between officials, players, managers. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it does feel like that at the moment. It feels like there's a, it's us and them, and I don't think that should be the case, you know. Um, we all have a role to play in that to make that better, myself included. Um, and I'm sure we can make it better. Um, look, I've said what I said about the decisions on Friday. Um, I can't change anything now. Uh, we just have to accept it and move on, but there's... We definitely need to improve uh, the communication lines between all of us, players, management, uh, officials. And like I said, we all have our part to play in that. What is ideal communication? Should you be sitting talking to the referee before the match of, of what he wants? Does that happen? Uh, I think everyone would have views on managers' behaviour on the sideline and different managers have different ways they want to approach. Some like to stand and uh, maybe have a go to fourth official. Some are jumping and roaring and shouting the whole time. And then what happens after the game and the explanation of decisions? Is any of that happening at the moment? 
I don't think we should be sitting with referees before our games or after games. I think communication throughout the game, good communication, clear communication, is uh, is key. We had Neil Doyle as a fourth official a couple of weeks back in, in Tala, and it was a difficult game to referee. And uh, the communication between all officials and and both sets of staff was really good. Uh, you have to accept that people get make wrong decisions. They're human. Um, uh, but when there's no lines of communication, that's when it becomes difficult to accept and understand. So uh, I definitely think communication needs to be better. What about your own team's performances then over the last couple of weeks? The defeats to Drogheda, the defeats to Cork. What's going on? I think Drogheda, we were... Uh, brilliant other than both boxes we were sloppy and for their goals they punished us two good goals from them um, and then in their box we 29 shots and, and, and score one goal so uh, but large parts of the performance was, was really really good um, so that was fine and I think on Friday the game was taken away from us you know I think we were very good with 11 men 10 9 men I think we were very very good 8 men it was just too much of a stretch for us um, so I don't think there's much wrong we've lost two games it's not nice, we don't like that. Yeah, but that's football, that's sport, and if you're not rootless in both boxes and, and you're not on the finer detail, you can lose games, and we've lost two games, and, and you have to accept it and, and understand it quickly and move on quickly. You had a run of uh, red cards right at the start of the season as well. From the way you're talking about Friday night, do you have any concerns about discipline? No, no, I really don't. Um, I think, yeah, and that's probably unusual to say, having had three sent off, but I think um, I've said what I said about the decisions and I think this group are an experienced group that understand what each game demands and takes and they get a feel for each game and whether you can uh, be more aggressive or not, you usually get that feeling very early in games off the referee and the officials. Um, so now I've no, I've no issue or worry about ourselves in terms of how we manage games and, and our discipline within them games um, like I said just disappointed with, with what happened on Friday night uh, Dundalk tomorrow night back in Tala your home record something understandably incredibly proud of over the last couple of years no defeats last year won the previous season and that was probably built on an incredibly strong defence I think it was, was it 10 goals conceded at home in all of last season it's 15 already this season uh, wow how much time are you spending thinking about that and the amount of goals that you're letting in? Oh, you have to think about that. If you if you didn't think about that, you're being naive and foolish. You know, you have to think about that. Um, but it's not just our, our our back three and our goalkeeper. Uh, we defend as a team, and and when we can see goals, um, we can see it as a team. Um, and uh, some of them have been unfortunate, but um, the large majority have been mistakes from us, and and that's uh, that's as a team. And uh, like I said. We're not happy about that. Uh, we pride ourselves on, on being difficult to beat and being difficult to score against. Um, and as a team, we've, we've given up far too many chances and goals in, in Tala this season. Have you changed anything tactically this season, off the back of winning a title, but also probably looking more at Europe and what you need to do as a group to succeed in Europe and to start winning games in a group stage of a Europa League or a Conference League have you changed things tactically that are leaving you more open and more exposed at the back? We've we've done little tweaks here and there but nothing that would uh, make us give up the amount of goals we've given up um, we know where we've gone wrong we understand that as a group um, we need to pull it right you know um, because um, the way we play the way we press 
um, if if uh, we're not on it 100% and we lose the ball, you're going to get punished, and and we haven't been on it 100%. So um, that's does that worry you? No, um, because uh, I know these players do it. Uh, the large majority of the time, our record away from home is very good. Um, our record the last few years has been very good, but we can't accept that we've conceded uh, 15 goals at home this year. Um, that's that's on us, and, and we not like I said. We understand where we've gone wrong in that regard, um, and we need to pull away. Uh, what do you like when you get beaten at home? When you head home that evening, do you sit down and watch the game back straight away? Do you need to get clear the head and get figure out exactly what went wrong? Do you wait till you link up with your coaches? Are you on the phone all night to the coaches, identifying what the problems were? No, we do have a coaches meeting after every game, and uh, we'll discuss it. And then uh, we'll go home and sleep, and then the next day watch the game and, and discuss it again. Um, and uh, and see of what we the conclusions we came to after the game are still the same conclusions the next day. And if they are, you're usually not far off. So um, you just have to be careful after the game that emotion doesn't take over your decision making, and, uh, whether that's anger, frustration, and whatever you're feeling at that moment of time. So it's important to review it when you have a clear head. Um, and like I said, I think we're pretty clear on what we need to improve. And uh, and um, I'm sure we will in the, in the second part of the season. There have been a couple of really strong individual performances so far this season. Neil Ferrugia was called into that Ireland squad that got getting to go into training camp over in the UK. Uh, he's a player who has shown promise for many years from his time at UCD. He's had some injury problems along the way. Uh, what are your thoughts on his progression so far this season? Uh, he's been excellent. You know, I think the, the coaching staff have done brilliant work with, with Neil behind the scenes over a period of time. And... Uh, and we're starting to see uh, the fruits of that now. We started to see it at the back end of last season and we're seeing him uh, continue now. Um, I think he's a player that has uh, tremendous attributes. Um, and if he stays focused and keeps working hard, which he will, he's a really good uh, man and, and, and is focused. Well, then I think he can, he can play and compete at any level. Uh, the Annie level is always a concern for League of Ireland supporters when we see what happened last summer with you know, Danny Mandreo going from Rovers and probably you know, almost the best young player from every club ending up going over to Championship or League One. Uh, are you confident being able to keep Frugia this summer? It, it's, look, it's impossible to say. I think football now, the football world, every club in the world is a selling club. Every club. So <laughs> we're no different to that. Um, do we want to sell, Neil? Of course we don't. Uh, we, we love him we think he's a big part of what we're going to do we think there's more development and growth to come from here um, but like I said it'd be foolish to sit here and say we won't sell any player and, and then you get a bid that as a club we feel is too good to turn down for any player um, so like I said if if you have Manchester United and Manchester City and Real Madrid that can sell players <laughs> we're no different so um, like I said we, we don't want to sell and we don't want to sell any players but it'd be foolish to sit here and say he's a uh, we won't sell a player in the summer. You didn't sell Jack Byrne. He stayed. I was somewhat surprised to see that he wasn't in that Ireland squad as well, considering it feels as though he's, he's arguably playing better now than the last time he was in there. Uh, is that down to just pure fitness, that the injuries that have dogged him over the last couple of years are gone? Or you know, is there something else that's been going on behind the scenes in terms of attitude, in terms of application? No, I think you've hit the nail on the head with Jack. I think when he, when he went to Cyprus, he obviously had a, a major back operation. And, and uh, when he came back here we knew that was still niggling and it was affecting other parts of his body and Jack's game is all about twisting and turning and, and being explosive over 5 and 10 yards and, and he couldn't do that to be fair to him last year he tried and we tried to get him through but he couldn't do it 
uh, this year you're seeing uh, Jack Bourne with with uh, a freedom in terms of his body's allowing him to play. Um, he's the fittest he's been, I feel, since since the first time we had him. And uh, he's been outstanding so far this year. So if he keeps playing like that, I don't think the Ireland squads are too far away from him. I just saw himself and Stephen McPhail walking down together a few minutes ago. If you had to have one or burn a McPhail in your midfield, who are you going for? <laughs> I'm going for Glenn Cronin. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn smashed the both of them. That's, that's, that's what you're looking for. <laughs> too much technical ability with those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of them had run. Um, <laughs> at least Glenn would be okay. Now, nah, look, uh, Stephen, fantastic player, but Jack is, Jack is right on at the moment. Yeah. Well, listen, best of luck over the next few games. <laughs> yes, thank you.